friends, is one of our recent hymns. It is a hymn, but it was written not 100 and 150 years ago, like most of the hymns that we sing. It's very recent. In fact, the uh, people who wrote it are taking a little time off the next couple of years just to write some more modern hymns. That is a great song. Okay, it is uh, our 40th anniversary, and so I promise you some pictures, so let's take a look. What do we have here? This very first one, you might want to turn the lights down a little bit and bring up the, uh, the picture. There we are, 40 years ago today, that was us leaving the church. And uh, yes, I did have red hair, and I promise you also, I've never shown this picture to anybody in the church ever. I should have auctioned it off, but just to prove to you that there was a time I did have hair, this is me. Right there. This was my natural state, by the way, okay? This was my hair the way that always looked. That's Jason, by the way, just leaning up against me. Even when I was a pastor, this is how I looked right here. This is my uh, second year. There I am right there. See, with the nice beard and everything. And uh, yeah, I used to have hair. It was very red. It was very white. Now, let me explain to you my theory why I don't have much hair today. I believe now that God gives men only a certain amount of hair. Some of you have been wise enough to kind of dole it out over your whole life. And I blew the whole wad when I was 25 years old. So here I am. That was me. That was Pastor Doug. Uh, I think I was 25. I was at the Vallejo Church. And that was my birthday, April 12th, 1979, I do believe. So there you go, guys. When we're all done here, we'll go have some cake and celebrate, and we're just going to have a one. And people have wondered why we're even here, why aren't we celebrating. That's what we've been doing all summer long. We spent a week down in Southern California celebrating with our friends and family there, then we flew to Florida for a couple of weeks, went on a little cruise to the Bahamas. We have, we have just enough money left to buy two cakes, and that was it. So that's today. <laughs> all right. Very good. Now we can move on. We are in the smack dab in the middle of a series that we are calling Five Songs that can change your life. And it's based on the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms are not poems. They are songs. Take a look. Read them. You'll see from time to time. They'll even tell you what instrument they should be played on, whether it's for the choir. These were the songs that they taught people because this is the way that they taught theology and trust. They didn't have copies of the Bible. They were way too expensive. Many people weren't literate anyway. And so God had 150 important songs to get across important ideas about him and concepts of life. He had them written and preserved. They're in our Bible. We call them the book of songs. So we know that there are five basic types that we've been looking at. A song of praise, a song of wisdom, there's a song of proclamation, a song of trust, and a song of honesty. All right? We don't have time to go through all the Psalms. 150 is just too much. I've told you before, in a few weeks, through the generosity of the conference and from you as well, allowing me to go, I will be going to Malawi for about four weeks to teach in the Bible school there because the pastors there have no money and the Bible school has absolutely no money. The only way that they can teach and prepare the pastors in Africa is the generosity of people here to send pastors there not only do they not pay me, I have to pay my entire way. I have to buy all of the books for my students. I have to buy all of the um, supplies for the students because they have no money. Now, the conference has been very, very generous to uh, support that. So we're, we're fine. We're going to do really, really well. But when we're there, yes, every one of my students will go through all 150 songs. And they're gonna, we're going to spend four weeks going through every single one. They're going to have to write about it. 
In the early church, pastors had to memorize them, all 150. If you were going to be ordained in the church, first you had to memorize all 150. Yeah, that was a test, as a matter of fact, because these are so, you know, sometimes I think we look at the book of Psalms and just kind of, you know, it's all right, it's, it's there. We kind of put them on a doily or something, or we, we put them as a saying on the wall, when in fact, God is revealing himself in these songs and is revealing how we should live. We need to pay a little more attention, and that's what this whole series is about. We've already talked about a, a song of, uh, of praise, how important it is to praise. It can change your life when you learn how to praise God and praise the people around you the way that you're supposed to. Last week, we looked at a song of wisdom, how it can change your life when you, when you learn not just what you can do, but what you should do. When you learn to make choices between two right things, which is going to be the better thing? We call it wisdom. Today, we take a look at this. It's called a song of proclamation. Time and time again in the book of Psalms, through this song book that God had recorded for us, we hear about the idea of proclamation. I will tell, I will proclaim, I will declare. So let me ask you, when was the last time you really talked about God? This last week, when did you talk about God? To your spouse or your kids? To your neighbors or coworkers or strangers? And when you did talk about God, what did it sound like? Sometimes um, when we talk about God, comes across really angry. Let's read this song together. Would you stand to your feet, please, as we read together this song of proclamation? Ready? Let's go together. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Thank you. Please be seated. This is a song of proclamation. Pick up the book of Psalms sometime and see how many songs are about proclaiming. Declare, tell, share some incredible aspect of God. It's God saying to us now, get out there and tell people about me. Get out there and tell them who I am, what I've done, and what I can do for you. Now, I want to make something really clear. Our Father does his own proclaiming, because now we're into your sermon notes right now if you want to go into those. Our Father really does his own proclaiming. It's not just left up to us. He, on his own, he is not shy about tooting his own horn. Did you know that? Now, if you toot your own horn, that's, that's arrogant, isn't it? He does it all the time. It's not arrogant. It's true. It's honest. All he's saying is, look, let me tell you the truth about who I am and what I can do. And it's incredible. You know why? Because he is incredible. Now, you try that, and it just sounds arrogant. He does it all the time, and it's just honest, because that's who he is. He does his own proclaiming. Take a look at this passage. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Our Father, through his own creation, in every single language on the planet, has been saying from the very beginning, 
here I am, and this is what I can do. You can really learn a lot of things about God just from looking at his creation. Tell me some of the things that, that you've learned from looking at God's creation. A rainbow. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. What else can you tell me about God from looking at his creation? What? My oldest and flowers are wonderful. What does that tell you about God? He's beautiful. He loves beauty, right? How about this? That God loves variety. You look at creation. It's incredible, isn't it? The, the variety we have, he loves it. How about, is he patient? His humor. Okay, look at a duck-billed platypus sometime and not try not to laugh and say, Father, what were you thinking that day? Yeah, right. What, what else? He gives some people red hair. The Lord giveth and taketh away, right? There you go. Exactly. Okay, in other words, you can take a look at all of creation and go, our Father's patient, he's glorious, he's fantastic. Look at the power of a volcano and go, that's nothing. That's just one little pimple on his planet. This Father is incredible. Look at the stars he put in the sky. You can learn so many things from his creation. As a matter of fact, in creation and through creation, every single person has been told that there is a God. That's why Paul could write this, because sometimes people say, well, what about the heathen in Africa? You know, they've never heard the gospel. By the way, it's hard to say that any longer because the fastest growing place for the kingdom of God is Africa. Africa and China. But we used to say, what about the heathen in Africa? They've never heard. Will God send them to hell? Or, you know what? There's, no, there's nobody that hasn't heard. That's why Paul could write this. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being so that nobody has a good excuse. Every single human being has been confronted with the reality of God through creation. But God isn't satisfied with that kind of proclamation. See, over and over, the Bible tells me this. He's asking me to do it too. Okay, he's making the proclamation. It's out there through creation. People should be able to say, yes, there is a God, and this is what he's like. If they don't want to do that or they reject him, that's their problem. But they're without excuse because God has revealed himself. But then God says to me, now, I want you to go proclaim, proclaim it as well. I want you to go declare it. I want you to tell people about me. Peter one time was rescued from jail. He was arrested and put in jail, and then an angel shows up and rescues him. Do you think the angel then says, now, Peter, you're in danger. You better go run and hide. This is what the angel says. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. I'm going to rescue you from jail, not so that you can hide, but that you can go tell people all about Jesus Christ. Go proclaim who I am. Long before the book of Psalms was written, long before that, God, when he's redeeming his people and bringing them up out of uh, Egypt, then tells them this, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Proclaim, declare me, teach me, especially to your kids. Pass this on. The very first and greatest commandment says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Now watch this. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk around the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How often does God want us to talk about him? All the time. I don't know that there's a whole lot left. Lying down, getting up, awake, sleep, wherever you go. Walking, sitting, we talk about God. And it started with what? It started with a, with a statement that said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you know why we talk about God? We love Him. I'll talk to you about Linda. I love Linda. I've been with her 40 years. And we were dating three and a half. We have actually been together since May of 1970. We were sophomores in high school. I love her. Let's talk about her. Do you love the Lord? Do you talk about him? Who do you tell? How often? Because we love him, first and foremost, he says, now talk about me. Proclaim me. We don't talk enough about God. Or let's put it this way. We don't talk enough the way we should talk. Sometimes we talk so much and in ways that we'll talk in just a moment. We'll get into it. It's not good. And I would just prefer if you didn't talk about God that way. You do a lot more damage. Here's a song about proclamation. What we've heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. Psalm 78, 3 through 4. We get to talk about him. But you know what's even beyond that? He wants us to do it. He's given us the power to do it. You say, well, I don't know if I can really talk about God. Of course you can. He has given you the power to talk about him. Let me show that to you right here. Ready? Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have the power to be able to tell people about God. Now, some of you are already getting sweaty palms because you think what I mean is I want you to go door to door Knock on a door and say, have you heard the four spiritual laws? God has a wonderful plan for your life. No, please don't do that. Or I want to teach you the evangelism explosion technique. Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know if you were to die tonight, you'd stand before God? What would you say? What would you say? Where are you? Okay, that's evangelism. And quite frankly, it wasn't nearly as effective as we thought it was. All the Billy Graham crusades are wonderful. Praise God for the Billy Graham crusades. 1% of the people who came forward. And by the way, you know, most of the people who came forward were plants. You knew that, right? You didn't know that? True. I worked the crusades. The people who first came forward were instructed to come forward because that helped other people come forward. That's just true. 1% of the people who accepted Christ at the Bill Grand Crusade wound up in a church and walking with Jesus Christ. That's why we don't do crusades anymore. Nobody does them. Not the way you wanted them to. It's not what God asked us to do anyway. He never said get 
50,000 people together and tell them about them. He said, look, in your everyday life, when you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're going, just talk about me. Just talk about me. Just talk about me. And we have the power to be able to do it. And not only that, when we talk about him, when we proclaim him, he has promised me joy. Take a look at this. This is. Do you enjoy talking about God? I hope you do. This is our Father. This is the one we love. I, there's so many things I have to do as a pastor, and uh, I enjoy the, the life. And, but I, there's nothing I like better than let's sit down and talk about God. Let me tell you what my Father is and what he's like and what he's done in my life. Problem is, then I can't shut up. Because I just want to talk about him. John writes this, but we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and your fellowship is with the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I tell you what, when we get in the habit of talking about God and the great things that, he, that He's done and who He is and the wonderful things that He can do in our lives, man, there's a joy in that. Whether, whether you pray to receive Him or you even believe what I'm telling you, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to talk about Him. He's awesome. There's joy in proclaiming Him. And there's something else, by the way, this isn't in your notes, but you might want to write this down because this is an amazing truth. Something special happens when I tell people about God. Something very unique and special takes place when we take the time to talk to somebody else about God. You see, God is in the middle of that conversation. I could sit down and talk to you about Abraham Lincoln. And we'd just be talking about Abraham Lincoln. But when I talk to you about God, he's right there in the middle. Wouldn't it be something if Abraham Lincoln could stand right there with us and, and I could tell you about Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln could then go, yeah, that's right, yeah. What he's saying is true. That would change the whole dynamic, wouldn't it? That's what happens when you talk with God, about God. You think you're talking about Him, but He's right there with you. And He's breaking down barriers and He's breaking down walls. This is what Scripture says, I'm not ashamed for the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Remember what we talked about, the fact that God is revealing Himself through all of creation? A lot of people, however, reject Him. Guess what? When we tell them about God, there's a power in the gospel, what we call the good news. There's a power there that breaks through, or it can break through, a hard heart. Their hearts are hard when they see God in creation. They don't even believe in Him. And then you tell them about God. God uses your words. Something special, incredible happens. And you break right through the hardness of that heart, and suddenly they go, wow. And they never would have done it before. You get to be part of a miracle. It's incredible. You just have to learn to talk about it. So, here's what I want us to remember. Are you ready? As we talk about God, as we proclaim Him, as we declare Him, first and foremost, let's make sure it's good news. Remember I just read a passage for you that said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel is not a biblical term. It's not a Greek term. It's not a Hebrew term. It's actually an old English word, gospel. 
and it's based upon a Greek term. Get ready, because I'm going to really impress you that I know this stuff. It's euangelion. Isn't that fun? Say that with me. Euangelion. You, okay. It's made up of two, of one word, angelion, and another prefix called you. You just means good. Angelion means messenger. Can you think of a word that we kind of take from angelion and we talk about a bunch in uh, angels? Exactly. We get the word angels from angelion because angels are messengers. That's their job. You angelion means good message, good news. That's what we proclaim to them. This is what Jesus said to us in Mark chapter 16. He said to them, at the very end of his ministry, he's sending his disciples out, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. I beg you and I implore you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Okay? Try to focus right now. Please, for the sake of the kingdom, be disciples of Jesus and not John the Baptist. Please be disciples of Jesus and not John the Baptist. Now, I have nothing against John the Baptist. He was a nice guy. He was a little weird, but a nice guy. And he was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. But have you ever heard his message that he preached to people? This is what he said to them. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You lousy, rotten sinners, if you think I'm tough, wait till you see what's coming next. He's going to lay you low. Didn't happen. Jesus came and he welcomed sinners. He walked with prostitutes. He ate with tax gatherers. The only time he ever got angry was at religious people. He did none of the things that John said he would do. So much so that John, after he's been thrown in prison, because once he's thrown in prison, I can see John right now in prison going, yeah, we're going to get it now, man. Go get him, Messiah. You're just going to rip him. And here's Jesus healing people and being nice and eating and having a great time, and people are flocking to him. And he's not saying anything negative or bad, except, like I said, a few religious people. And you can see John going, what in the world? So there's still a few disciples of John the Baptist. And through the prison bars, he said, would you go talk to Jesus? Did I get this wrong? And that's what they actually do. They go to Jesus, and they say, we've got a message from John. He's in prison. He wants to know, are you really the one he was waiting for? Or, or is somebody else coming? Because you're nothing like he thought you were going to be. Is somebody else coming along? Because you're not the Messiah we thought you'd be. This is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. 
And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Now, do you know why he put that last part in there? See if you know. Come on, tell me why. Now, you see what he just said? He said, John, I love you. You're wonderful. But you got it all wrong. You got me all wrong. I didn't come to scare people. I didn't come to chop them down. I came to love them up. I came to heal them. I came to show them the mercy and the grace of our Father. Not to frighten them. Not to throw them in fire. But to heal them. And cry with them. And I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And then he said, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Why did he say that? Any ideas? I know, it's kind of hard. Kind of, why? Jesus, why would you say How about this? For many of us, there was a desire to preach vengeance. And to preach that warning. Repent, you lousy, rotten world. If you, you lousy, rotten fag, you're just not going to piss on it. God is going to just smash you. And then Jesus comes along with forgiveness and mercy and grace. And we feel like idiots. Idiots. Jesus said, look, blessed is the person who can handle the fact that I'm not going to live the way they thought I was going to live. I'm going to be who I am. And if you can't deal with that, well, you better learn. Jesus didn't approve of prostitution, but he hung around with prostitutes trying to help them turn their lives around. I've been here long enough, I think. Maybe too long. We'll find out in just a moment. If Jesus were walking today, he would have no problem hanging around with homosexuals. Not because he agrees with their lifestyle. He doesn't. We don't agree with the homosexual lifestyle. But there's that sense within the church to get right in their face and say, you lousy, rotten sinners. Man, are you going to burn. Well, welcome to John the Baptist. Jesus would say, I love you. How can I help? How can I assist you? How can I help you be all you were created to be. Please don't follow John the Baptist. Make sure that what you say about God is really, really good news. Some of us don't proclaim and talk about God because we don't want to give bad news. And some of us just love to do it. I'm just going to ask you, If your heart just wants to go out and confront people and tell them how they're going to hell, just don't. Okay? Don't. Not until, first of all, you talk and talk and talk about the wonderful beauty and mercy and grace of our Father. Maybe as a last-ditch effort, I suppose, but please don't start there.
say, here's what we're going to proclaim. Here's what we're going to declare. Here's what we're going to tell people. Ready? First of all, we're going to tell who he is. What's the good news about who he is? What would be good news about who he is? Well, if you wanted to say something good about God, what would you say? Tell me, what would you say? What? What is God? God is, let me tell you about God. He is what? Loving. What else? Faithful. What else? Full of grace. What else? Forgiveness. Full of forgiveness. What else? Mercy. Are you saying those things or are you saying God is so mad at you because you're a sinner, you're toast? This is what we tell about God right here. He's loving and he's good, okay? That's why I can look at the things that, has, that he's done and the ways he's led me and some of the things that may actually feel like, like he's hurt me, but I know he's good. I trust the goodness of his heart. He's merciful and he's powerful, This God is able to take care of any of the issues that you are facing right now and help you deal with them. And he is so patient. Thank you, Father, for your patience. Oh, man, if he wasn't patient, he'd wipe this out so long ago. Take a look at these songs of proclamation. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Or how about this one? Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. When was the last time you told anybody something like that? That's what we proclaim. Somewhere along the line, the church started to proclaim bad news. And we wonder why we're not effective. We wonder why attendance and and membership in churches begins to decline. This is our Father. This is what we want to tell people. God knows. He cares. He's right there with you. He really does understand. And He wants to help. Then the other thing that we tell, we, we tell what He's done. Okay, that's what scripture tells us. Look at this. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Another song is song 105. So, what are the good things that he has done? What what, what are the good things that he has done that you want to tell people about? What is it? Okay, he loves us. Very good. What has he done? He saved. Okay, we have Jesus Christ. What else has he done? He made an incredible world. Oh, I love what, it, what that Louis Armstrong singing, you know, such that incredible world. And I say to myself, what a wonderful world. And as I'm hearing that, I'm thinking, yeah, but my father made all of that. But my father created love. He created that tenderness. He, we didn't come up with it on our own. When I see the good things in this world, the good things in creation, the good thing in relationship, my father's the author of all of that. We didn't come up with it. Man, he's done so many good things. How about this for a little bit of a list? Ready? How about this? He's created a wonderful world. He's instructed us. He didn't leave us without instruction. He said, okay, here's the world. Now let me show you the best way to live in it. All the wisdom literature, the scriptures, the saints, the prophets. He reached out to us. Every single human being has turned his back or her back on God. Everyone. And instead of getting mad about that, And instead of rejecting us and saying, well, if that's the way you're going to be, I'll just do Our Father reached out. Do you think that coming to God was your idea? 
Do you really think that you came up with it on your own one day? You said, I'm so smart and wise, I think I'll go to God. You even thought about coming to God because our Father reached into your very heart and said, here I am, find me. And then, if that wasn't enough, to heal our relationship, to provide us eternal life, to take away all the stupidity that we've done. He sent us Jesus who took our place on the cross, who, who revealed to us the very heart of the Father, who showed us how we really should be living. And then although he had done absolutely nothing but tell the truth and be loving, allowed himself to be arrested by his own creation, convicted in a mock trial, nailed to a cross that he created. The nails, the iron in the nails was from his creation. The wood was his creation. The people nailing him to that cross were his creation. And he could have stopped at any time. And he died. And then rose again. That's what our Father's done for us. Seth, amazing. Who do we tell that to? When's the last time we even talked about it to somebody? But most importantly, here's what I really think we need to declare and to talk about and to proclaim. We need to talk about what God has done for you. See, everything else we've been talking about is kind of, um, I don't know, um, theory, if you will. It's in the abstract. There is this God and this is what he's like. And there is this God and this is what he's done. But I'll tell you what, you want the most powerful way to speak to somebody about God. It isn't in the abstract. It's in the concrete that says, you know what? This is what God has done for me. The song, 66, come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done And an opportunity just uh, earlier this week or last week to sit down with Chelsea and to say, hey, let me tell you what God has done for me. Right? Let's not even talk about God in the abs. Let's not talk about the theory of God. I just want to tell you what he's done for me. The change that he's made. This is the most powerful proclamation that you can do. And here's the fun thing about it. Nobody can argue. And you don't even have to know anything. You don't have to defend it. Now, if I wanted to say God created, somebody would come back and say, no, it was all done through evolution. And now we argue back and forth. If I want to say, well, well, God is loving, then they'll say, well, then how come he allows And we argue back and forth. Okay, that's, they, they want you to know all this stuff. Sometimes that's very difficult. I understand that. But when you want to share what God has done for you, you don't have to defend it. And you can also say, I don't have all the answers. I just know what he's done for me. Because that's what happened one time Jesus healed a man born blind completely blind from birth never happened before other people may have regained their sight but they had sight to begin with and through an accident or some disease they were blind and they got this guy had never seen anything from birth he was born blind jesus heals him the pharisees jump all over that because they can't believe it and they don't like it and they begin to pester the parents and they begin to pester this guy finally they say to him okay now Tell me about this guy. We know that he's a sinner, so come on, tell the truth about this Jesus. And this is what the guy said. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. 
One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's it. There it is. The power. I can't explain God. I don't know why God does it. I don't know why innocent children stop. I don't have those answers. Actually, I do, but we won't get into that now. All I know is this is the way I was. And this is how I am now. This is the direction I was going. And now I go this way. This is what he's done for me. There is no more powerful proclamation that you can make. You can go to seminary and learn how to preach and preach thousands and thousands of sermons as we preachers get to do and it will all pale in comparison to the very simple statement that you can make about what God has done for you. And so, I have given you room in your sermon notes to do exactly that. What has God done for you? What is the one thing or one of the things that, that has... And I don't necessarily mean that you have to find some miracle. You know, my, my hand was withering and now it's healed. I mean, walking with God has accomplished something in your life. And, and you can talk about the future. I know I'm going to go to heaven. That's a wonderful thing to do. But I mean today, right now. What change has he made? I want you actually in just a few moments when we go into our sailor time to write it down. Because this is the thing I'm going to be praying for you that you will get to share this week with somebody. Now it could be a, a, a relative, it could be your wife, spouse, kid, it could be a complete stranger. This is the thing I'm going to pray God gives you an opportunity to say, let me tell you what God has done for me. And here it is, real simple. For me, it's based on this passage right here. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and from the bog and from the mire and he set my feet on a hard, firm path and steadied me as I walked along. I was, I was lost. I mean, I didn't know where I was going. I really wanted to belong. I felt an outcast. I felt, I did so many stupid things to try to be part of the group because I've always wanted to be part of the group. And I did so many stupid things to do it. And then through the love of a church, I found a home. And I found my place, not just in eternity, but in the world. And my father took my aimless wandering and he put me right on the rock and pointed me in a direction and he said, okay, let's go. And I've never doubted where I was headed. Oh, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, he, he, he put so many little twists and turns in my path, but I know I was solid and firm, and I belonged. I always felt like that one kid, as people are trying to choose up a team, that one kid left at the end that nobody wanted. And here was the God of all creation who said, Duh. You're on my team. Not only are you on my team, I gave my son so that you could be here. Oh, did that change my life? 
Oh, baby. And it can happen to you too. God wants you. You know that great big sign they used to have in World War II when I thought Uncle Sam, I want, if God, I want you. Don't worry about all the rest of it. Don't worry about the theology of it. Just come. We'll figure it out together. I want you. What is the one thing you want to share with people? We're going to take a few moments in what we call our Sela time. Sela just means meditate. Think about it. Got a great song that's going to be playing in the... Uh, Altars will be open. We'll serve the communion elements. Uh, being here in this church, we offer what's called open communion, meaning anybody can come. You can be a first-time visitor and receive the elements. You don't have to go through a special class. But in the next few moments, the song's about, what, three and a half, four minutes long. What's the thing he's done for you that you want to share? Could you keep it simple? One thing. And then I'm going to be praying through this whole time throughout the week that God gives you an opportunity to share it. Could be with somebody close, so it's really very um, easy and non-threatening. Could be with a total stranger. But somehow you get to start up a conversation. And it doesn't have to be a half hour. It can be two minutes, 120 seconds. Oh, man, I'm sorry you went through that. But let me just tell you, this is what God has done for me. And declare it. Would those who are going to help me with communion, if they would come forward, please?